اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم سو انشاءاللہ وی ول بیگن وتھ کتاب سجود القرآن کتاب دا بک آف سجود پراسٹریشن القرآن آف دا قرآن میننگ دس بک اینڈ بائی بک وی ڈونٹ مین دی انٹائر بک آف صحیح البخاری بٹ رادر دس پرٹیکولر چیپٹر اوکے دس پرٹیکولر چیپٹر سو دس چیپٹر از اباؤٹ the prostration of quran recitation what does it mean by that the prostration of quran recitation has it ever happened that you are praying behind the imam in the month of ramadan and in the middle of the recitation the imam says allahu akbar and instead of going into rukur everybody goes into sajda and then when they get up from the sajda imam says allahu akbar They don't sit down. Instead, they stand up and the imam continues the recitation. Have you ever seen that? Experienced that? Maybe on the mushaf, the Qur'an, you have seen certain symbols. A symbol that looks something like a tiny minaret or like a small prayer rug. Hmm? What is that symbol? It means that when you recite that verse, what do you have to do? you have to perform a prostration. So sujood al-Qur'an is the prostration of Qur'an recitation. Before we go into the details of the prostration of Qur'an recitation, the question is, what is sajda? What is sujood? What is a prostration? When I ask you questions, they're not always rhetorical. Okay? So I expect an answer. Yes. It's when you put your forehead on the ground. Why would you do that? Put your forehead on the ground. Yes? To show respect and what else? Complete submission and humility. The word sajda literally means to become humble and lowly. To become submissive. Sajda is to bend oneself toward the ground. To bring oneself to the ground. Why? Out of humility and submissiveness to someone. Now we do sajda only to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the word sajda, you have other related words also. Masjid. What is a masjid? A place of sajda. Who is sajid? A person who does sajda. Sajida. You may have heard that name. Hmm? The woman who prostrates. Now, we learn that every creature is doing sajda to Allah. Every creature is in a state of submission and humility before Allah. In Surah Al-Ra'ad, Ayah 15, Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ يَسْجُدُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ طَوْعًا وَكَرْهًا That to Allah prostrates everything, whoever that is, within the heavens and the earth. Within the heavens, within the skies, you have the stars, you have the planets, you have the sun, you have the moon, and so much more that we don't even know about. Within the earth, there's trees, rocks, mountains, and inanimate things. طَوْعًا وَكَرْهًا Everything prostrates to him willingly or by compulsion. There are 
those creatures that prostrate and humble themselves before Allah willingly. And then there are those who don't humble themselves willingly. They are humbled by compulsion. How? Like a person who refuses to pray. But then what happens? When he's standing outside in the sun, and there is his shadow, where's his shadow? Lying on the ground. Lying on the ground. That body that he's living in, is that body in his control? No. There are things going on in his body which he cannot control. If he could only control his blood sugar levels, or his blood pressure, or something else, does he have that control? No, he doesn't. So that body is in submission to who? Allah. وَلِلَّهِ يَسْجُدُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ طَوْعًا وَكَرْهًا So remember the essence of prostration is is to show humility. To show submissiveness. To lower oneself before Allah. To acknowledge that Allah is my master. I am His servant. Now sujood at-tilawa the prostration of recitation is the prostration whose reason is recitation. Meaning the reason why you make this prostration is because you recited a specific verse of the Qur'an. And remember that there are 15 verses in the Qur'an that are such that when we recite them, we are supposed to prostrate. Alright? Now what are those 15 verses? I could tell you here right now, one by one by one. Okay? But I'm not going to. I'm assigning this as your homework. Okay? Either do a Google search. Alright? Or open up the Mus'haf. Find the sign of Sujood Tilawa. Alright? And look for those 15 verses. The name of the surah and the verse number. The name of the surah and the verse number. What are those exact 15 places in the Qur'an where we are supposed to do sujood tilawa Now remember that you prostrate when you recite these verses in salah or outside of salah. Okay? So for example, one of these 15 verses is the last verse of Surah Al-Najm. Okay? So if a person is reciting Surah Al-Najm and they reach the end, and they're reciting it not while they're praying, they're reciting it after their salah, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to do sajda tilawa. Alright? What if they're reciting those verses in salah, then what? Again, they have to do sajda tilawa in salah. So remember sajda tilawa is the prostration that you make upon reciting certain verses in salah or outside of salah. Clear? In salah or outside of salah. Alright. Now, what is the ruling concerning sajda tilawa? Is it mandatory or is it not? What do you know? It's a sunnah? Okay, what else? What else do you know? Okay, it's not fard. Meaning it's not obligatory. What else do you know about sajda tilawa? Tell me something that you know about it. Yes? Okay. You don't have to have wudu. It's not like the sajda we do in salah. Okay? You don't have to face the qibla. Okay? There's a dua that you're supposed to recite in it. Okay? 
Exactly. That if let's say you're sitting down, you're reading from the Mus'haf, you don't have to stand up and say, face the Qibla and say, Allahu Akbar, and then you go into sujood. No. As you're sitting, reciting, you can put your Mus'haf on the side, and then you can say, Allahu Akbar, do sujood, sit up, and then continue with your recitation. You can do that. So, the ruling concerning Sajda Tilawa is that it is Sunnah Mu'akkada. Alright? It is Sunnah Mu'akkada. Meaning, it is a confirmed Sunnah. What is this confirmed Sunnah? Meaning, it is, think about the term confirmed Sunnah. It is confirmed that the Prophet ﷺ did it. He did it. There are numerous reports that show that the Prophet ﷺ, he did this. However, it is not at the level of obligatory. It is not wajib. Okay? Which means that it is highly encouraged. It is very good if we perform it. But if we do not perform it once in a while, for some genuine reason, there is no harm. You understand? Like for example, the sunnah prayers after your fard. The two sunnah prayers after your maghrib. Three rak'ah. Those two sunnah prayers, technically you should perform. But let's say, one day, as you're finishing your salah, you have a baby, right? And that baby needs a diaper change. For example, you finish your prayer, you go change the diaper, and then what happens? The baby's hungry, and you're feeding the baby, and then what happens? By the time you're done, it's Isha time. The time was gone. Alright? So if you missed it, no harm. Okay? But can you do that with fard? Can you say, it's time to pray maghrib, and before three rakar you say, oh my baby's hungry. I don't think I can pray right now. No. If there is an emergency, you must try your best to pray as soon as possible. Correct? However, remember, what we do is, we say, oh, two rakar, it's sunnah. It's okay if I don't pray. It's not fault. So what, what happens? On Monday we leave it. And then on Tuesday we leave it. And on Wednesday we leave it. And on Thursday we leave it. And Friday we leave it. And Saturday we leave it. And Sunday we leave it. And we have left it for an entire month. That is not okay. Make note of this. Sunnah mu'akkada is what? An act of worship that is encouraged. It is not obligatory, but we cannot abandon it. Or we cannot leave it continuously. So now, sajda tilawa. What do you think about this? Sajda tilawa. If it's sunnah mu'akkada, what does it mean? Do we have to perform it every single time? Do we? No. If we forget to perform it, is that a sin? No. But can we do something like never perform it? Yeah? Or for example, in the month of Ramadan, we're like, I have to complete my juz, man. I have to complete it today. So you're reading, reading, reading. You have half an hour, and you're just in a rush to complete your juz. And in that, let's say there's an ayah of recitation. So you say, no, no, I'm in a rush. So you don't read it. And then the next juz also, you don't perform your sajda tilawa. And the next juz also, you don't perform your sajda tilawa. Is that okay? No. A genuine reason, you must leave it, okay. But continuously leave it, that is not okay. 
Now what is the proof that sajda tilawa is sunnah mu'akkada? What's the evidence? If I tell you something, there should be proof for it. Right? There's numerous proofs as we will learn in this chapter. There were times when the Prophet ﷺ prostrated at the recitation of those verses and there were other times when he did not prostrate at the recitation of those verses. In fact, Umar radiallahu anhu, we will learn this hadith also. Umar radiallahu anhu, one Jumu'ah khutbah, he's giving the khutbah, he recites an ayah of sajda, he comes down from the mimbar, and he performs sajda tilawa. Alright? He goes back up on the mimbar, continues. Next Friday, he recited the same ayah, but he did not perform sajda tilawa. And he said, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمْ يَفْرِضِ السُّجُودَ إِلَّا أَنَّشَاءَ Allah has not made this sujood mandatory. Alright? He's left it to us. If we want, we can perform it. But we should not abandon it because it's a confirmed sunnah. Now, one more thing about sajda tilawa. What is the reason for this sajda? What is the reason? What is the reason for this sajda? Why do you make the sajda? Yes? The reason for this sajda is Alright? It is not salah. There is a sajda that you make. Why? Because you're performing zuhr. In the first rakah, how many sajdas do you have to do? How many sujood do you have to make? Two. Why are you making those two sujood? What's the reason? Because you're performing salah. That is the reason. Now, this sajda is different. How is it different? The reason for the sajda is not salah. It is tilawa. It is recitation. You understand? So this means that the rules of salah do not apply to sajda tilawa. Write this down. The rules of salah do not apply to sajda tilawa. Because it is not salah. Salah, prayer is with what? Recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. If a person does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha, is their salah valid? Is it? No. There is clear hadith that tells us that there is no salah without the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. So if there is no recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, it means it's not salah. So if it's not salah, that means the rules of salah do not apply. Like which ones? Okay, for women to cover their head. Alright, what else? Can somebody else tell me what are the rules of salah? In order to pray, what do you have to do? Yes? Okay, wudu. What else? Yes? You have to face the qibla. Okay? Niyah, intention. I mean, for salah you have an intention and for sajda tilawa also you have an intention. Intention is what's in your heart. The reason why you're doing something. Right? What else is a condition for salah? Hmm? Okay, purity. Anything else? Yes? Time. Exactly, time. There are certain times in which we're not supposed to pray. Right? Like at the time when the sun is rising, the time when the sun is setting, the time when it's right at the, what is it? Zenith. Right? And for Zuhr, you have to perform it within a certain time period. Also, you have to perform within a certain time period. But these conditions do not apply to Sajda Tilawa because it is not Salah. If you understand this rule, many things will become clear to you. Very easily and very quickly. Okay? Alright. One more thing now is that in sajda tilawa, you're supposed to say something. Okay? 
What are you supposed to say? There are certain adhkar. However, you can also say in sajda tilawa what you say in your regular sajda. Okay? You can say in sajda tilawa what you can say in your regular sajda. What is the method? How do you do sajda tilawa? In prayer, firstly. In prayer. What would you do? You reach the end of the verse, you complete the verse, you say Allahu Akbar and you go into sajda. You say Allahu Akbar, you get up from sajda. And then you continue with your recitation. Alright? How about outside of salah, what do you do? You say Allahu Akbar and you go down into sajda. Alright? But when you're getting up, you don't say Allahu Akbar. Clear? Okay. Now, let's study the hadith. Everybody stand up first. Any question about sajda tilawa? Yes. If you're listening to a reciter, right? And uh, the sajda tilawa is going to come. Okay. So we have to do it. Okay. The question is that we are not the ones who are reciting. Somebody else is reciting and they recite the verse of prostration. Are we supposed to prostrate also? Yes and no. Okay? When is it that we have to? And when is it that we're not required to? We will learn that very soon. Okay? But there's no one answer. Any other question? Yes? Good question. If you're memorizing Surah Al-Najm, right? And you read the last ayah like ten times. So every time that you recite that ayah, are you required to go into sajda? Hmm? Now from the rule that sajda tilawa is sunnah mu'akkada, how can we find the answer? Yes? Okay, very good. It would be excellent if you did it every time, but you don't have to. Because it is not obligatory to do the sajda. Understand? So if you do it once, perfectly fine. If you do it three times, perfectly fine. If you do it every single time that you read the ayah, even more beautiful. Alright? Any other question? Yes. Okay, good question. That if you are, let's say you're doing your lesson, Right, you're reading the last verse of Surah Al-Najm, you read it ten times, and then you keep count, you say, okay, I recited this ayah ten times. When you're done your recitation, then you put the mushaf away, and then you make your prostrations ten times. Hmm? Or let's say you were reciting, you recited three juz in one sitting, and there were two or three verses of prostrations. So when you're done your recitation, you put your mushaf away, and then you do three prostrations. Or you, you recited the whole Qur'an and at the end you did 15 prostrations. Does that work? No. Why? Because as we will learn, sajda tilawa is what? I mentioned to you the essence of it is to show humility. And humility when? Immediately. And we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he prostrated right there, immediately. The people prostrated right there, immediately. They didn't delay Till later. Alright? So this is why, you see, in salah, right, we stop our recitation and we go into sajda. 
And then we get up and continue our recitation. So from that rule, what do we understand? That we have to do it right away. If we don't do it right away, there is no qada. Okay? You can also make note of this. There is no qada for sajda tilawa. Qada as in to do later what you missed. Okay? So for example, you completely forgot to pray dhuhr. For instance, it happens sometimes, a person completely forgets. So then, what do they do? Do they have to perform their dhuhr later? When they remember? Yes. But when it comes to sajda tilawa, if you missed it, do you have to make it up later? No. Why? It is not, it is not fault. Alright, have a seat. Now as I mentioned earlier, there is a question about sajda tilawa that is purity a condition? It is not a condition. Why? Because purity is a requirement for salah. Sajda tilawa is not salah. Alright. Bab ma jaa fi sujood al-Qur'ani wa sunnatiha. This is chapter heading. Okay? So in Sahih Bukhari we will see there is the name of the chapter and the chapter is called Kitab. Okay? And then within that Kitab there are headings. They're known as the chapter headings. And that is known as the Bab. Imam Bukhari has not just recorded a hadith in his book. Okay? He has put those ahadith in chapters. And then, in those chapters, again, he has given chapter headings. Remember, I told you that Sahih Bukhari is a very unique book. It is called Al-Jamir. Why Al-Jamir? Because it talks about different topics. Alright? So, here we have Kitab Sujood Al-Qur'an, Bab Ma Ja'a Fi Sujood Al-Qur'an, Bab Chapter Ma Ja'a, whatever that has come, meaning that has been narrated, Fi Sujood Al-Qur'an, concerning, regarding the prostration of recitation, was Sunnatiha and its Sunnah. Meaning, what is the proof of this prostration? And what is the Sunnah regarding it? How did the Prophet ﷺ do it? The first hadith, حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدُ بْنُ بَشَّارِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا غُنْدَرِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا شُعْبَةُ عَنْ أَبِي إِسْحَاقِ قَالَ سَمِعْتُ الْأَسْوَدَ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَرَأَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ النَّجْمَ بِمَكَّةَ فَسَجَدَ فِيهَا وَسَجَدَ مَنْ مَعَهُ غَيْرَ شَيْخٍ أَخَذَ كَفًّا مِنْ حَصًا أَوْ تُرَابٍ فَرَفَعَهُ إِلَى جَبْهَتِهِ وَقَالَ يَكْفِينِي هَذَا فَرَأَيْتُهُ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ قُتِلَ كَافِرًا Were you able to understand some of the words? Yeah? Okay. Let me do a brief explanation of the words. Okay? So that you know why we are translating the hadith in this way. So the hadith begins with حَدَّثَنَا حَدَّثَ Haddatha means he narrated. Na to us. Alright? So Imam Bukhari is writing that someone narrated this hadith to a group of us. Meaning I was not alone when this hadith was being narrated. There was somebody else with me. There were some other students of knowledge also. Who narrated the hadith? Muhammad ibn Bashar. So who's the teacher of Imam Bukhari here? Muhammad ibn Bashar. Alright? 
Muhammad ibn Bashar qala, he said, when he narrated, he said, Haddathana Gundar. So who's the teacher of Muhammad ibn Bashar? Gundar. Gundar qala, he said, Haddathana Shu'batu. Shu'ba narrated to us. So who's the teacher of Gundar? Shu'ba. An Abi Ishaq. So Shu'ba took this hadith from who? Abu Ishaq. Abu Ishaq said, Qala, he said, that سَمِعْتُ aswada. I heard Aswad. There's a difference between he narrated to us and I heard. Okay? Us indicates that this was a class or a group of students. I means one-on-one. سَمِعْتُ aswada. I heard Aswad. عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ Aswad is reporting from who? Abdullah radiyallahu anhu. Who is radiyallahu anhu? Who do we say that about? Sahabi, a companion. Alright? So Abdullah radiyallahu anhu is the one who's narrating this. Alright? Qala, he said, Qara'a nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-najma. Qara'a. What does the word qara'a mean? He recited from the word Qira'a. Quran is also from the same root because Quran is that which is recited a lot. So the Prophet ﷺ recited a najma, meaning Surah Al-Najm. Where did he recite it? Bimakkata. In Makkah. Fasajada fiha. Fasajada. So he prostrated. Fiha in it, meaning? During its recitation. Wasajada and he also prostrated. Who? Mamma'ahu. Whoever that was with him. So the Prophet ﷺ recited Surah Al-Najm while he was still in Makkah. And all those who were with him, listening to him, also prostrated. Ghayra shaykhin. Except for an old man. The word shaykh literally means an old man. Okay? And from this, the word shaykh is also used for a teacher or a scholar. Why? Because a person of age, what do they deserve? Respect. They have lived many years. And a person of knowledge, what do they also deserve? Respect. Why? Because they have a lot of knowledge. So, غَيْرَ shaykhin, Except for an old man, he did not prostrate. Now imagine this, the whole situation. Everyone prostrated except for one old man. What did he do? أَخَذَ kaffan. He took a kaf. What is kaf? Handful. Right? He took a handful min hasan aw turabin. Of hasan. What is hasan? Pebbles. Turab is what? Dust. And if you look at sand, that's exactly how it is. Sand and then tiny pebbles. Right? So he took a handful of that فَرَفَعَهُ And he raised it. He raised that handful of dust or stones or pebbles. إِلَى جَبْهَتِهِ To his forehead. You understand what this guy did? He did not go down into sajda. Instead, he took a handful of dust and he just brought it to his forehead. وَقَالَ And he said, يَكْفِينِ هَذَا That's enough for me. That's the max that I can do. I cannot put my head on the ground, 
but I can't help but prostrate, so I'll just bring the ground to me. Because I'm too, I'm too good, I'm too high. You understand the arrogance here? I'm too high that I should put my head on the ground, the ground should come to me. فَرَأَيْتُهُ Abdullah radiallahu anhu said, I saw that man بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ after that. Meaning after many years, I saw that man قُتِلَ that he was killed kafiran as an unbeliever. He died in that state also. He never believed in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So I'm going to read the running translation of the hadith so that you have the whole picture in your mind. Abdullah radiallahu anhu reported the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam recited Surah Al-Najm at Makkah. And he did sajda in it. And those with him also did sajda. Except for an old man who took a handful of pebbles and brought them up to his forehead. And he said, this is enough for me. I later saw him killed as an unbeliever. Now from this hadith, what do we learn? Why is Imam Bukhari bringing this hadith over here? To prove what? What is he proving? Raise your hand. What rules, what rulings can we derive from this hadith? I can mention them to you one by one, but I want you to think. What different rulings can we derive from this hadith? Raise your hand. Yes, sister. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. One who is showing the unbeliever thing. Okay. The old man. Okay. It describes that he is an unbeliever and he is not doing sajda. Okay. Where everybody was doing that he is not doing. It shows the unbeliefness. Okay. All right. That is correct. What else do we learn? Say it out loud. We're supposed to do sajda at that ayah. Exactly. The first ruling that we can derive from this hadith is that when we recite Surah Al-Najm, we also have to do what? Prostration of recitation. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ did. So the first thing is that the Prophet ﷺ recited Surah Al-Najm. When he completed the recitation, he prostrated and all those listening to him also prostrated, which means when we come upon this verse, we have to do the same. What else do we learn from this hadith? Yes. When someone's reading such a tadaw, when we hear it, we can also do something. Exactly. Who was reciting? The Prophet ﷺ. Who prostrated? Who prostrated? The Prophet ﷺ and all those who were with him. So this means that the reciter has to prostrate and the one listening also has to prostrate. Alright? Now, I want you to write these three words down. Qari' A little technical but it's okay. Qari' Who is Qari' Reciter Mustamir Who is Mustamir? The one who is listening How? Attentively Samir Who is Samir? The one who hears You understand the difference? One is a person who is reciting Another is a person who is listening to the recitation very actively, following along. And the recitation is being done for him so that he can hear, he can listen. And the third is a person who just happened to be there, he's not really paying attention, he's doing his own work, or he's passing by, right? And somebody recited an ayah of prostration, he is Samir. Alright? Now, the Qari and the Mustamir. The reciter and the listener, both prostrate. Okay? The reciter and the listener, both prostrate. 
Because they both fall in the same category. And you know what that means? Reciting the Qur'an and listening to the Qur'an. Both are what? Acts of worship. How beautiful is our religion? How generous is our Lord? Reciting the Qur'an is an act of worship, but attentively listening to it, that is also an act of worship. Because if listening to the Qur'an did not matter, then the listener did not have to prostrate. You understand? He would not have to prostrate. But because the listener is prostrating, what does it mean? His listening matters. So take listening to the Qur'an seriously also. Where we make sure that we take time out to recite the Qur'an, let us also take time out to listen to the Qur'an. And by listening, I don't mean play it in the background and talk over it. No. By listening, I mean choose a certain surah because you want to listen to it. And then as you're listening, pay attention. Think about it. Follow it. Right? In the Qur'an we learn in Surah Yunus that Musa alayhi salam, he made dua to Allah. Alright? Musa alayhi salam made dua and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, قَدْ أُجِيبَتْ دَعْوَتُكُمَا The dua of both of you has been responded. Now if you think about it, who's the other one? Both. Who's the two of them? It's Harun alayhi salam. Right? Musa alayhi salam and Harun alayhi salam. But if you look at those verses, Harun alayhi salam did not say the dua. Who said it? It was Musa alayhi salam. But when Musa alayhi salam said it, who said Amin? And who was also part of that dua, even though he didn't say a word? Harun alayhi salam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that the dua of both of you has been responded to. Alright? So the reciter and the listener both have to prostrate. What about the one who just heard? Heard by chance. They weren't really following along. They didn't even know it was a verse of prostration. They are not required to. Alright? So the Samir is not required to perform sajda tilawa. Okay? What else can we learn from this hadith? Yes. I was thinking, subhanAllah, that we put in, into action also. We did sajda immediately because these verses are telling about how the people would humble themselves. And we put these verses, uh, implement it immediately. And Another thing we see here is that the Prophet wasallam recited, فَسَجَدَ fiha And وَسَجَدَ مَمْمَعَهُ There was immediate prostration. Why was there immediate prostration? Because these verses, what do they talk about? These verses are very powerful. Very powerful. Many rhetorical questions are asked towards the end of the surah. Alright? Many rhetorical questions are asked. And, you know, that momentum is kind of building. And then right at the end, it says there is a command that you prostrate to Allah. So when a person is listening, right? And imagine the Prophet ﷺ is reciting, where? Next to the Kaaba. Alright? And there's a large gathering of people. And people who understand the meaning of those verses, it's as if they cannot help and they prostrate immediately. So another thing we see here is that the prostration of sajda is to be done when? 
immediately because it is an expression of humility and submission. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Isra, Ayah 109, that إِنَّ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ إِذَا يُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ يَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ سُجَّدًا وَيَقُولُونَ سُبْحَانَ رَبِّنَا إِنْ كَانَ وَعْدُ رَبِّنَا لَمَفْعُولًا وَيَخِرُّونَ لِلْأَذْقَانِ يَبْكُونَ وَيَزِيدُهُمْ خُشُوعًا That those who have been given knowledge, when the Qur'an is recited to them, they fall in prostration. They fall in prostration, meaning they immediately show humility. So we see that all of these 15 verses of prostration, they either describe the humility and submission or prostration of Allah's creation. Okay? Either they describe the prostration of Allah's creation. Like for example, these verses that I just mentioned to you of Surah Al-Isra. Alright? Or there is a command to prostrate. Remember these two things. So when the prostration of the angels is being mentioned, for example, or the prostration of every creature in the heavens and the earth is being mentioned, then what should we do? Just recite and move on? No, join. The angels prostrate, the heavens and the earth and every creature prostrates. And what should the listener or the reciter do? Sit there unmoved? No. Join the creation of Allah in prostrating to Allah. And when there is a command that you must prostrate, then what should we do? Allah commanded, فَاسْجُدُوا What should we do there? We should prostrate right away. And remember that when a person shows humility right away, then the reward for this is Jannah. Sajda tilawa is one of the means of entering paradise. The Prophet ﷺ said that إِذَا قَرَأَ أَبْنُ آدَمَ السَّجْدَةَ فَالسَّجَدَ That when the son of Adam, meaning when a human being, recites an ayah of prostration, and then he also prostrates, اِعْتَزَلَ الشَّيْطَانُ يَبْكِي Shaytan, he just starts crying. He goes away into seclusion and he starts crying. Has it ever happened with you that you're so sad somewhere that you can't be with people? So you go to your room, you shut the door and you just cry and cry and cry? That is the state that overcomes shaitan. When a human being recites such an ayah and prostrates. And shaitan says, Ya Waila. He expresses his sadness. And he says, Umira ibn Adam bisujudi fasajada falahul jannah. The son of Adam was commanded to prostrate, and he prostrated, so he will get jannah. Wa umirtu bisujudi faabaytu falianar. And I was commanded to prostrate, and I refused, so for me is fire. Shaitan gets sad about that, but look at his stubbornness. He doesn't repent. So from this hadith, what do we learn? On reciting such an ayah and prostrating, this is one of the means of entering Jannah. Anything else we learn from this hadith? Yes. The importance of following the Prophet ﷺ and the consequence of not following the Prophet ﷺ. 
The people around Rasulullah ﷺ at this time, they all prostrated. Except for one man. And that man who did not, he refused, what happened to him? He died as a denier. What else do we learn? Yes. In, that's the thing. Refusing, rejecting something, despite having the knowledge and the ability and the reason to do it. This is something that hardens the heart. This is something that seals the heart. This man, by the way, who refused to prostrate, his name is Umayyah bin Khalf. Alright, this man, how difficult was it for him to go into prostration? Was it really that hard? Was it really that hard? When everybody's prostrating. You know, sometimes we find it difficult to pray because nobody's praying. Nobody. But if everybody's praying, you happen to be in a masjid, or you happen to be, you know, with your family, and somebody comes and gives the adhan, somebody comes and gives the iqama, and there's a jama'ah going on, is it easy to join? It's easy to pray. But when you have to do it alone, it's difficult. Now this man was surrounded by people who were all prostrating, but he refused. What, what was his outcome? So this is why we must take acts of worship seriously. Refusing them once, leaving them again, and again committing sin after sin after sin, this is something that seals the heart. خَتَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ What else do we learn? Yes. Just thinking that subhanallah, you know this man, it's like he knew that we need to prostrate, so he just took the stones and pebbles and the dust. It's like he had, he just had the... He couldn't help it. Yeah. Right? So he should have just done. Exactly. But it was the arrogance, so it's like a hypocritical, you know, very attitude. Yeah. And you see, the scholars say that it's easy to obey Allah than it is to disobey Allah. Because when you're disobeying Allah, you have to come up with alternatives. Right? Like for example, this guy, what is easy? Is it easy to just go down? Or is it to pick something up in your hands and then bring it to your forehead and then rub it? What's easier? Just go down. Now, for example, when a person refuses to pray, everybody's praying, what is easy? Get up, join the prayer. But when a person says, no, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I don't feel moved. But everybody's looking at me and asking me, so what do I do? Okay, I'll lie. I'll make up that excuse. No, no, I'll, I'll get up and go. Go to the other room. And then, oh, somebody's watching me. Let me go to the other room. Here's a person trying to hide from the eyes of people. Come on, just go pray. Make life easy for yourself. And the heart is beating and the palms are sweating because somebody's going to come and ask me, what excuse am I going to give them? You know what I mean? It's easy to obey Allah than it is to disobey Him. Sometimes actually go in sajda. So if it was because of his old his age, he could have just bent down and did it. So Allah has that ruksa for people. But also the importance of doing the actions according to the sunnah, how important it is. Yes. And doing them with everybody else also. Right? Because warka'u ma'arraki'een. Bow down with those who bow down. So when everybody is prostrating, we should join. This reminds me of the verse from Surah Ma'un, وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ Because we cut corners and things where, like, things don't really matter. But then, you know, this can be a possible consequence. Okay. I have a question for you. The people who prostrated over here, 
right? Were they Muslims? Were they Muslim? Only a few of them. Because this is where? In Mecca, before the migration, where the majority of the people were who? Non-Muslim. And the Prophet ﷺ was reciting the Qur'an to them. Why? As part of inviting them to Islam. And this is the incident after which news spread that the mushrikeen had believed in the Prophet ﷺ. And so the Muslims who had migrated to Abyssinia came back thinking that everybody had accepted Islam. Alright? But they hadn't actually accepted Islam. It was just that at this instance, they couldn't help but fall in prostration. Alright? They couldn't help but fall in prostration. Everyone fell into sajda. Alright. 